Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. If you haven't noticed already, the podcast name has changed from just another podcast to Carry Across. Um, the name had to change. We needed some rebranding. So I hope that's okay with y'all. Um, so I guess welcome to Carry Across a faith-based Christian podcast where we delve into timeless truths of the Bible, exploring how they intersect with our modern lives. So you can join me as I discuss topics like faith, hope, love, and redemption, all through the lens of God's grace. Whether you're a lifelong believer or simply curious about Christianity, these conversations aim to inspire, encourage, and deepen your relationship with God. So in this episode, that's season two, episode one, I will be joined by Blessing. So I hope you guys stay blessed and enjoy the podcast. Thank you. All right, I'm your host, Denise, and today I am joined by Blessing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Blessing. Oh, thank you so much for having me here and for the time. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> the pleasure is all mine. I appreciate that. So give us a brief description, like like give a like a little intro. Tell us about yourself, like a little fun fact, something like that. Hmm. Well, I, okay, the thing is, when it comes to introductions, I think I'm the more modest type. So anything that I say feels like I'm trying to toot my own horn. So um, let me By see. all means, you should do that. What can I say? Um, interesting facts. Uh, I guess I can play guitar and harmonica. So there is that appreciation for music that I have. So... Yeah, that that's something normal that all people have that all people can relate to. So I really do like listening to indie Christian music a lot because a lot of the music that comes out of Nashville kind of sounds the same. So every now and then I'm looking for a more different sound. So yeah, I hope that's interesting enough. That is interesting. Everything is interesting. <laughs> but yeah, like... um. So I guess the question of the week is, what has God been teaching you this week or in the past week? Um, that's, yeah, you really just start to throw me into the deep end, huh? Um, oh, is that too deep? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of time that I spend just trying to reflect and see like, okay, Lord, what are you saying? What are you teaching me? so I don't miss out and have to go through the same lesson over and over again. But um, I think quite a bunch, like, because um, from conversations that I've been having with different friends, it's just been, I think, in my own time in prayer, kind of just learning to wait on God to move in his power and just to move in my own life because I've been talking with friends about the gift of tongues and stuff and all that and so i mean i don't speak in tongues personally 
and it's just one of those things where I'm like, okay, Lord, um, the Bible does say desire the spiritual gifts. And at the same time, I feel like I caught myself in a place where I just wanted to um, coerce the Holy Spirit into doing something. And I think it was just like one time I was praying and what's the song? I think Not In A Hurry by Will Regan came on and that really shattered me because I was just like in this place. I'm like, okay, Lord, I need you to do something or like I, I'm here to wrestle and just have you do your thing. And then that kind of just made me slow down and just think, okay, Lord, it's your gift. You give when you want and how you want. I'm just going to be here to wait, not to try to twist your arm into anything. And I guess another thing, not too spiritual, but just, I guess, coming down to the level of being practical, just um, seeing how continuous of an improvement I need to Im- to implement in terms of my communication with people. It's just been something that I've been thinking about in my own relationships to be able to communicate more clearly my intentions and my expectations. Because I feel like sometimes when you don't explain one of the two, if you don't explain your intentions, the other person may not really understand what you're trying to do. And if you don't communicate your expectations well enough, the person that you're working with or you're in a relationship with, whatever form or shape you may be, will always let you down because you have expectations of them that are not communicated. And when they don't meet those expectations, unknowingly, there's just a little bit of hurt that you have. So yeah, two mm. lessons I can think of right now. That's pretty good. That's pretty so good. What about you? What has God been teaching you? Wow, you had to throw it back at me. Uh-huh. But um I'll say God has been teaching me obedience. Um I feel like it's been a running theme for a while now. Um I'm just learning to obey and to keep my word when it comes to the things of God, you know, because we promise God a lot of things. Like God, I'm gonna I'm gonna read my Bible three times a day. I'm gonna do this. So I've just been like focusing on obeying God and being a woman of my word. Um because I've been trying to, um, well, my goal is to finish the Bible in a year. So I've been trying to be more consistent with reading my Bible and like following the plan and just obeying that um, desire that God put in my heart. So I'll say obedience. Yeah, that's that's actually, I think, a lesson for everyone because you know, you just look at it spiritually, secularly, um, you know, like we have New Year's resolutions and it's already February. And if you ask people how well they are keeping those resolutions that they had at the start of the year, you'd see maybe like three out of five things are still going on. And then the other two things, they've kind of dropped along the way and just like learning to say what um say what you mean and to actually see through whatever it is that you say you're going to do to God to do unto God really does matter because it's not just words it's deeds too that matter 
Exactly. It's giving James. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I said that, but um, uh-huh. you know. no, like that that one actually catches me off. You know, like every I think maybe every year, year and a half, when I'm reading James in my Bible plans, and it's like I think it's like four eleven. Is like if you know the like if you know what to do and you don't do it, that is sin. That is sin. Yeah. Ah. That verse, I'm like, why did you have to say that? Yeah. Why? But I love, I love the book of James. But yeah, you know, I guess obedience and discipline. Yeah, I think they go hand in hand for sure. Yeah, they do quite a they, lot because I think it's like obeying even when you don't feel like it is a challenge. Because it's 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 pretty cool when you say, oh yeah, Lord, um. This year, I'm going to start fasting once or twice a month or like once every two weeks or something like that. Maybe like the first few weeks you do it and then like life just throws distractions at you and like yeah, even the enemy and all that stuff or just your own flesh and you, you're just there thinking like, why did I even start this out? Or you kind of just try to give yourself grace and be like, oh, I'll start again next year. Yeah, we have a lot of growing to do. But hey, God's grace, God's grace is upon us. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that's the beauty of it. Um, when I think about it, sometimes it's like we're called to a standard of perfection, which is something that we cannot reach. Which I, I think it's it's an ironic thing and a beautiful thing to say that Jesus wants us to be perfect. But you know, no one is perfect, but it's something that you can always get to and get towards. Because, you know, when I look, when I think about like um, walking with God, it's like there's always something better. You know, there's always something more. There's always um, ways in which you can grow more in patience, you can grow more in love and kindness, in joy and goodness, in self control. And it never ends. So it's it's always just like a process. It's always just like you trying to improve, trying to get better, trying to aim higher every time. And by God's grace, it happens, you know, like slowly being refined and growing character. That's true. The standard of perfection. Hmm. That's actually, that's a topic for another day. I I need to actually do an episode on that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But yeah, you know, um, yeah, I, I was reading through your articles, right, when we were coming up with a topic. But today we're going to talk about, you know, I wanted to say the pace of grace, but that sounds too, like, Christian corny. But I'll just, like, dive into it. So there's the article you wrote about setting the pace. And you were talking about how you started running. What really, like, motivated you to start running? Do you still run? Um. So actually, that's, <laughs> um, that's actually from an anime that I used to 
Well, okay, no, not that I watched, but let's see. I'd say, yeah, the comics for an anime, so the manga that I used to read called One Punch Man. And basically, his workout routine would be running 10 kilometers every day, doing 100 push-ups and 100 squats. So I would, like, I think since I was, like, 19 or, like, 18, I always thought, like, okay, so for me to get to my peak physical form, I need to get to this standard where I can do 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, and 10Ks every day. So what would happen is towards the summer, it would get warm enough for me to get up in the morning and I don't have lessons. So I'd be like, okay, let me try at least to run in the mornings. And so um, at first, yeah, I, I would just run just for the fact of trying to be fit. And also one of my housemates had said that I was getting fat. So that got to me and no. got me up in the mornings to go and run. And yeah, I guess one thing that kind of helped too was that I had a friend uh, who's a football player that I would run with in the mornings. So yeah, that was, yeah, that was it. Like anime fitness and having a friend to run with that kept me going and was the reason for me to go. That's interesting. It's funny how getting bullied motivates you to change sometimes well, I mean, he, he said it in i think a loving manner because we, we have oh, a okay. relationship where um he could be just straight with me and i'll just be able to take it and and just be like okay fine actually you're, you're right even though i don't like what you're saying it's true and just see what i can do about that so yeah i mean i thank god for having a friend like that who can tell me and just keep me in check about certain things. That's great. Having an honest friend is very important, for sure. And I think to answer the other question that you had asked, if I still run, what happened was, um, I think that summer, I might have gone to a different city for my internship. So that died with that. And then... Um, last year I did try going running a few times, but because I didn't have someone to run with, um, the consistency wasn't there. And so, yeah, I haven't been running as consistently as I'd like. And actually this morning I decided to go on a run before this podcast. So I don't seem like a hypocrite when I'm talking about running. So yeah, it's, that's it's funny. Been on and off. But hopefully this year I get more on because um, I'm just thinking like trying to get into doing it on a weekly basis because I met a friend um, who is even into triathlons. And when I hear stories about how you would push like through the running, through the cycling, through the swimming and go all these distances, and I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. And he's like old enough to be my dad. So it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'm still young enough. I could work on myself and build up my fitness to get to that, if not today, at least later on in life. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. The reason why, like, this interested me is because I, can't, I found your article 
very or blog post very relatable because there was a time when I was like really into running that I would do like 6k a day but then I just stopped like when you said like you know life happens and stuff but you know it just had me thinking how that relates to our you know Christian faith so how would you compare I'd say training for a race I'm not sure if you've like been on a race before but I would say like having that experience of running kind of gives you an idea of like that kind of stuff but how does training for a race compare to like growing spiritually day by day because you know when you first start running the pace that you run at is usually quite slow but as the days go by you know you run faster you can go longer distances so how would you compare that to growing spiritually um yeah i think it's it's actually quite a beautiful analogy to look at running and the christian faith because even the bible itself uses that same description when you look at um some of the writings of paul you look at um i think first corinthians he mentions it um second timothy to second timothy he also mentions it like talking about running the race and fighting the fight of faith and even hebrews kind of talks about like running as well and i think there's just quite a lot um especially i think um just in terms of spiritual life growing with the lord um because even as i was running at times i just like actually like this this um applies to what i'm going through and my own relationship with christ because i think about it and i'm like um just getting on there and running i find that my fastest kilometers were the ones that i ran most intentionally and the thing is when it comes to discipline there's there's some things that we do just for the sake of doing it just for the sake of taking off a box and then there's some things that we do intentionally and thoughtfully there's always a difference in the effectiveness of doing that you know like if you intentionally are doing a bible study you actually think through what you're doing and you know what you're doing and why you're doing it and you don't uh, forget the vision and there's that focus that's also involved that makes a difference because you know you could just be reading your bible just for the sake of not breaking your streak and then there's just like reading with intentionality and asking yourself questions and trying to connect the dots and trying to see how does this align with the bigger picture in terms of the gospel in terms of god's plan for salvation or in terms of just what's going on in the story and you kind of get more out of it if you intentionally do it if you intentionally pray if you intentionally meditate as compared to just you doing things just for the sake of doing it and that way it becomes more like a chore if i can say that and yeah there's just so much actually like when i look at um running and our faith because even like um it's just i think at times we get so overwhelmed with things like we set such high targets and um such 
you know, we, we have standards and goals that we want to achieve that are so up there that when you really start off and you think about it, you're like, there's no way I'm going to get that far or there's no way I'm going to be able to achieve this. And it happens at times when I'm running, when I'm just like, you know, um, the app just says, oh, this is your first kilometer. And I'm like, okay, how can I push for five more? But it's really just you breaking it down to the next step that you're going to take. So, you know, when you're just running and you just stay in the moment, just focusing, like, if I can get my foot to land and the next step and the next half of that and the next half of that, eventually I'm going to get through all of it. And at times we, we forget to break it down into smaller chunks to know that if God is calling me to do A, B, C, D, I'll just start off by saying yes in faith today and taking the next step tomorrow and the step after that. And eventually you see, oh, actually God has used me to do all these things over the years and over time. Whereas if you really had this big picture in mind and you're trying to figure out the logistics of how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, who's going to do it, you get so caught up in your head that it kind of just um, immobilizes you. Because even when I'm running, it's mostly when I'm thinking, ah, this is not going to end. How am I going to cover this that I slow down the most? Whereas I just get into the rhythm of just taking one step after the other. I get to progress no matter what the speed is. It's just making sure the next step is followed by another one. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You literally just answered my second question <laughs> about, you know, pacing yourself. You know, when you're running, you know, you need to learn how to pace yourself so that, you know, you can maybe learn run longer distances or I guess keep a perfect pace and something you said there like when you look at the bigger picture it can get overwhelming but focusing on you know each step just makes it a lot easier like that was a very powerful statement because it's so it's so relatable I think a lot of Christians go through this phase where we just want to like I guess we just want to be perfect at once instead of like embracing the process we want everything to just like happen now you know let's say like you want to read the bible right so now you're reading like 10 chapters a day like I need to finish the whole bible in like a week type thing Instead of focusing on like, like what you said, like being intentional, being intentional does not happen when you're drinking from a fire hose. Like you can never be intentional reading 10 chapters a day. Maybe, maybe you can, but I don't think you can though. Like a normal human being, I don't think, I don't think that's possible. But that, that was pretty, that was pretty good. Yeah. So from your experience, right, with running, were there moments when you had to, like, basically persevere in the sense that, let's say, like, you're like, I want to run six kilometers straight. Were there moments when you're running, when you 
you just feel like, oh, man, I'm at the third kilometer. I just can't do it. What, what basically, what um strategies did you use to like motivate yourself or like push yourself to continue? Um, okay, so I think like starting off, one of the things that really aided me was having someone alongside me to run with. And it was just one of those things where it was like, um, because he's with me, it's not as, I'd say, isolated for me to just like quit along the way when someone's right next to me. So the starting time, like the first few days running with him, it was really good because it just got me into the rhythm. It got me into the motion of things. And then now when I was actually going for those slightly longer distances, um, by the time I would get to the third kilometer and maybe my legs start to feel heavy and, you know, because I'm just running in circles, things just start to feel repetitive. And there's always like this stretch of about 200 meters that kind of goes up on the incline. And it's usually there when I feel like, ah, okay, I should, I should probably just like rest a little bit or just walk it off and go home. I, I think it was just um, tapping into like this state of knowing that even though right now I feel like I should quit, I can, I can get through like just what I was saying before, like if I can just take that extra step, like if I can just break it down into another step. I can still make it through. And sometimes I would have to slow down, but never stop. I think that that's, that's one of the things like to just slow down, but don't stop. Cause a lot of the times, even just like you look at your own spiritual walk with the Lord, there's times where things just feel so uphill and nothing's working and the prayers aren't really connecting well, or you just look at your Bible and you just keep getting distracted. And I think like one of the things that we should like, that I just do is just remove the notion of stopping as being an option when I'm running. It's just one of those things where I just, I just tell myself, I just have to fix my resolve and know that no matter what, no matter how slow I'm going to get, I'm going to keep running. I'm just going to keep looking forward. And I, I think it's, it's one of those things that are so beautiful because um, there was a sermon I was listening to and the preacher was just saying that Christianity is the only race where everyone who runs wins. So it doesn't matter how fast I am. I'm not going to get taken place or third place. As long as I finish, I'm going to win. I'm going to get my prize. So in that moment, it's really just taking out that that sense of trying to look back or that sense of uh, quitting. Because, I mean, even, you know, I'm just thinking like right now, the, the other scripture that comes to mind is, you know, when Jesus says, like, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is worthy of my kingdom. So it's really mm -hmm. you looking to yourself and saying, there's no turning back. There's no stopping. We push forward. We press on. And we just look to Jesus because that's that's the whole uh, point. That's the whole thing that makes the race bearable. And he's the one who gives us strength. So in those times, um, yeah, it's just, like, me just grinding through no matter how slow I may be, just really um, pushing myself through that. Wow. That phrase, you said Christianity is the only race 
that everyone wins. Wow. That was a pre that's a pretty good quote. Hmm. Yeah. But you did mention that, you know, help, running with a friend helped you. Do you think that that applies to like faith? Do you think that having a community or at least someone running the race with you helps? Do you think that it's important or you can you can run the race on your own? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's a quote, not from the Bible, uh, but basically, I'm trying to remember it word for word, but it's it says like if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with someone. And I think that applies to you. like when you're doing something like running to have a com- like community or some people around you because you get to have someone who you're accountable to, you know, to have someone who can check in on you and say, oh, how come you haven't been uh, coming in the mornings or what's going on? Are you okay? And just to have that support around you to have someone who can show you things, who can teach you stuff. Because at the same time, like I remember running, um, I wouldn't do stretches afterwards. And I'd basically have this pain in my shins until I found out from other people that, oh, um, there's certain stretches you need to do. Because I just walk it off, then go back home, get on with the rest of my day. Until the next morning or the next time I'm running and my shins are just doing their own thing and some things you never really get to know just being by yourself from trial and error but you definitely benefit from having people around you people spurring you on because I remember actually when I started I was running four kilometers and my friend was like oh you need to push for six now because you've been running four for a while and if I was just by myself I probably would have just gotten comfortable where I was so it, it is good to have people who push you on and being careful because um, sometimes running with someone who's slower than you can actually like deter your progress, if I can say that. If if there's a pace that you're aiming for, because like sometimes you, you want to accommodate when you know um, there's more you can get out of your run, there's a target or something you want to get out of it, it is good to have someone with you and even or off on a tangent i'm just thinking um one video i was watching of casey neistat i think that's how you pronounce his name who was recently just talking about how he was trying to beat a time record of i think uh four hours to do a marathon and basically he was saying like he tried by himself until he got an olympic coach to coach him through it he wasn't able to break that time barrier and the day he did run with his coach, that's when he was able to meet his goal. So I feel like there's a lot of things that we need community for. That's why, you know, God looks at Adam in the garden and he says, oh, it's not good that man should be alone. And it's not just uh, romantic relationships, but all kinds of relationships, family, friends, work, and all that stuff. We need each other to be able to keep running and keep pushing each other forward.
Mm -hmm. But also, don't you think that running with someone slower than you can also teach you something? Maybe it can like teach you patience, tolerance. What do you think? Um, well, I, I mean, I would agree and disagree with you on that because, yes, there is a patience that we need. I, I mean, I, I think um, out of my friends, I might be one of the more patient ones. And I, I think it's it goes back to uh, why you're running and what your goals are because I, I think there's certain things where you're like, okay, so this is my goal. This is my target. As much as I love running with you, you're getting in the way of me achieving what I want to do. Because sometimes we, we compromise. You know, there's there's certain things where, like, maybe for you, you have a personal conviction about something. And then because your friends don't have that same conviction, you kind of compromise on that. And in some shape or form, it can affect your relationship with God, if I can say that. Because you may have certain things where you're like, okay, so I made a promise this year to stop doing this or to start doing this and not everyone else is on board with that. So, I mean, there is like two sides of the coin to say, yes, I can be patient, but there's a point in time where I think there is a division that is necessary for the sake of progress. Because I, I think... Um, what we tend to do is instead of seeking peace, we try to be nice. And the problem with being nice at times is that um, we make too many compromises. You know, we, we, we try to involve or include everyone when there's not always going to be space for that or time for that, or we're not always going to have that capacity if we want to move forward in a certain way. So let's say maybe I'm trying to prepare for a half marathon in a month and I know my time should be at least under six minutes per kilometer on average and I'm running with someone who's just averaging seven. That won't really do me good if I'm trying to build up for that competition and I want to be able to do it well in a way that satisfies me. Mm -hmm. Okay. I see that. So I guess it de from what I got from that, it depends on what your goals are in terms of your faith. Because when I, when I look at that, right, what you said, it's like if you are striving to reach a certain level in your faith, it's definitely not beneficial to be with people that are still or are at a lesser level than you, you probably need someone at a higher level, right? For you to like progress. Like what you said with Casey Neistat, however you say his name. Um, it was when he ran with his coach, the Olympic coach, that he beat the record, right? But also when you flip it, right? How I see it, it's like once you get to the level that you want to be spiritually to say, okay, me and God are tight. Um, and I, I feel like you, like what you said at the beginning is like perfection 
can never be reached, but it's a standard that we continue to pursue. But it's like, I think people also need people to mentor them, right? Or maybe that's something that only specific people are called to do, right? For example, like what we talked about, the Casey Neistat and his Olympic coach. It's like, shouldn't there be a time when we become the Olympic coach that helps other believers to run at the same pace as us at some point? But I guess like, you know, before that, when you are trying to better your relationship with God, that may not be ideal. But what if you reach that level where you're good? Shouldn't you also help out others? Yeah, I, I mean, 100% on that. Because uh, the thing is, I feel like on your way up, before you actually know what you're doing, you might do more harm than good if you want to coach someone, but you don't have a clear understanding of what it means to coach the person that's slower than you. And, but then the thing is also, because I mean, when I look at it, the, the whole picture of having someone to coach you as you run kind of translates into the whole concept of discipleship that we see in the Bible. And I guess it is a call for all Christians to be disciples and to disciple other Christians. And I mean, ideally, what that would look like in terms of running, that there should always be um, a pool of people who are available to coach you as you run, that kind of thing where it's like, oh, even if, um, you know, I'm running, I know there's a coach who can help me, who can give me the tips to improve. And maybe it's not just me being coached by that one person, but a whole group of us. And at some point when I get to some point of maturity, then I can also um, coach someone else and the chain goes on like that. But then also like the flip side of it is that does a person want to receive the coaching? Because it, it's, it's a really tough thing you know, like when maybe you want to help your friend out, but your friend doesn't want the help, you know, when like even in spiritual matters, if like you want to have a Bible study with your friend, but your friend is not interested and you try and you try and you try, but until they want to improve, until they want to get faster, until they want to grow, like those, those efforts are really frustrating at times because yeah, like it, it is, I think something for all of us because what I receive, I should be willing to share with others and point to others because um, even like, you know, just looking at um, stuff like spiritual gifts, you know, it says um, First Corinthians that this is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the edification of the church. So you don't receive things just for yourself, but you receive it to serve. You know, just as Jesus says, like, oh, I wash your feet. You guys wash each other's feet too. That is the same thing for us to to know that, yeah, as much as I've grown, let me point to others as well. Because it's not just about me, but about all of us improving, running, and winning this race. Hmm. Actually, that's pretty good. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Cool. Well, I mean, I'd like to hear your own 
story. How was your stint at running? Honestly, relationship with running all your life. Okay. Um, I feel like the reason why I started running was to overcome my laziness and to kind of like make myself interact with strangers. Um, and the reason why I say that is because interacting with strangers is because I don't know how it's like where you are, but people here mostly run at like parks or like at like walking trails. And usually it's like many people there and everyone is so like friendly and you all talk to each other and stuff like that. And sometimes you can even like find someone and then you guys like run together and have like a little short conversation. Um, so that was something that I was like, hey, I need that because I'm I'm a bit introverted, right? So I'm like, if I put myself out there, I can kind of improve my social skills. And when it came to the laziness, um, is because I enjoy working out, right? I feel like for me, I think um, lifting is so much easier than running. I don't know. It's, that's just me. So I would find that I would mostly lift but not do cardio. And I realized it was coming from a place of like just dreading running because I was lazy to do it. I would sometimes maybe go on a treadmill and run like 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, bro, I'm done. I can't do this, right? So it was just like trying to train myself to not be lazy, to just like do something that I don't find easy. And I would say I I can relate that to like, you know, faith in the sense that sometimes we don't want to push ourselves to go the extra mile for God. We want to do the easy stuff. You're like, I can go to church. That's easy. But to sit down and read the Bible for an hour or two a day, that's kind of hard for most people. I'd say the average Christian doesn't really take two hours of their day to read the Bible and like spend time with God. So for me, it was like just overcoming my laziness. Um, and also, I mean, being physically fit was also a thing because, you know, when you run, you kind of train your heart. So uh, I just wanted to have a healthier heart too. But I would say laziness was the number one reason um because I feel like every every woman knows this um chapter no psalm no not psalm proverbs 31 mm -hmm. <laughs> the virtuous woman one it's like from verse 10 to something I forgot but proverbs 31 10 going forward like talks about like a virtuous woman what a what a 
good woman should be or wife or whatever. And one of the things was she does not eat the bread of idleness or the bread of laziness. And I was like, shoot, if I want to be a good woman in God's sight, I have to overcome this laziness thing. Because I was also like someone who, if I thought something was hard, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it, you know? So I, I feel like that taught me to just do the hard things and to not be lazy. So, yeah. So, okay. Um, practically, how does that look like in your own day-to-day -day life for you to say, actually, um, this is the hard thing. And this is how I'm going to start learning how to do it and liking how to do it. Is there like a routine? Is there like a method that you found works for you in terms of turning things from seemingly impossible to something that you might even start enjoying to do? Yeah, um, I was, this is something that I guess it's circular or whatever. Um, something I learned on Instagram by this guy called June, June something, I forgot his name. Um, he calls it the three, two, one method. So it's like a countdown thing. So practically, if I say I want to do something at three o'clock, right? And the time is coming and like three o'clock hits, I just do a little countdown. I'm like three, two, one, and I get up. Because <laughs> if I don't do it, it's like you kind of like trick your brain to say like, if you don't get up, you'll die or something. Like you just have to make up like an extreme reason in your head and you count down. So as much as it sounds so silly, it's it's helped me a lot. Like I would basically run in the mornings and no one likes running in the morning unless you're kind of crazy or you've been doing it for years. So every time my alarm would ring, I would turn it off and count to three or count down from three three two one and I just flip my bed cover and get up like literally just push myself out so I would say I've been doing that in multiple areas of my life um when it comes to waking up early I use that method I just get up um if I told myself I need to like cook at this time I just do that I just found it really helpful. I don't know if it it could help someone, but I hope I answered your question. Yeah, actually, I mean, um, it's my first time hearing of this method because, well, for me, um, still kind of slow getting into it. But what I've found that works for me is just having things that I habitually do and building other habits around that so if I would say like in the morning basically I don't have breakfast until I've done this this or this or to know like at this time I'm usually doing this so it's either I'm doing whatever it is that I'm trying for the first time before or after that thing that I routinely do and just like building things around the things that I do routinely so that it all just fits into my schedule and 
it fits into the rhythm of my day-to-day -day life already. Hmm. That's pretty but, good. Yeah, I think the three, two, one method. Well, it could be something to try out. I'm not sure if <laughs> um me saying if I don't do this, I'll die might be uh, <laughs> an appropriate thing. But I mean, it's, yeah, sometimes um desperate times. Covid desperate measures for sure. Like I mean, like that's how I used to use it at first. Like you kind of threaten yourself a little bit, but I've seen that with that method. Um, because I've been using it for like months now, it's kind of made it easier for me to do things. So before, when I would hear my alarm, right, I'm like, okay, it's seven p.m. I need to start doing my Bible study. Sometimes I'll hear my alarm. I'm like, okay, let me hit snooze, and then after nine minutes, I'll get up. Now, every time I hear my alarm, I just get up. I don't, I, I don't really have to use the one, two, three method physically because before you had to like say it out loud, like three, two, one. But now it's like in my head. I'm kind of like, uh, it's kind of like programming your brain to do something. So when you talked about like what do you do to make things easier and like make it more enjoyable, I feel like that kind of like subconsciously made me more obedient to times. So, yeah. Because I don't know, I feel like um, when it comes to developing disciplines, finding that balance between if I don't do this, I'm going to die or this is the reward that I get from doing this is a little bit difficult at times because with running, it's simple. Like every time after I run, you get that runner's high where like, you know, everything just feels good. You just got that clarity in your mind and you're ready to tackle the day. Exactly. But then when it comes to like maybe um, putting off doing laundry or watering your plants or something like that, stuff that the reward isn't always so clear it's not always so immediate becomes a little bit difficult because like i mean nowadays everyone just wants that instant gratification to know like if i do this it triggers this happiness hormone in my head or something like that or like if i do this i get to eat or if i do this this is the reward i get it at that moment whereas the certain things because just like um the bible uses running as an image there's also the image of farming that paul also uses when you know i say like just talking about how you need to be um shrewd about things about times about just putting in the effort where i'm like yeah like you know it's 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 really um quite a balancing act to think okay so if i don't have an immediate ramification to the decision I'm going to make or the discipline I'm going to implement, how do we keep going faithfully in those times? Mm, true. Hmm. Yeah, that is something to think about. I think this is something I thought about. I think that we need to also train ourselves to not expect a reward you know, because, I mean, I guess we're human beings and we kind of need that. But if you 
tell yourself that I don't need the reward. It makes me think of the story of um what's their names again? Shadrach, Mishik, and Abednego. <laughs> I hope I'm saying their names right. Um they said to was his name Nebuchadnezzar? Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were like because he was gonna like throw them in the fire if they didn't like obey him and like worship their idols. There's something they said that they said that like our God, we will not worship you, right? Even if you throw us in the fire, our God will take us out. But even if he doesn't, it's like they were good. They were saying that like the reward for their obedience is God taking them out of the fire, right? But then they also had the understanding that even if he doesn't, right? So they knew that they could be doing this and they won't get the reward or they won't get the, uh, they won't get saved from the situation. I feel like that's something that we need to cultivate even as like Christians People, I think that's how you get disappointed with God a lot. When you expect something from him. Even when you think of like the story of Job, right? I mean, he ended up getting his stuff restored and stuff like that. But the whole message is that sometimes you just have to do things or go through things without getting anything in return. It's only God's grace that grants us like rewards but we should never expect them because when you think of god right we're supposed to be like god or well not be like god okay i don't want people to take that out of uh, take that the wrong way but we're supposed to be like our father right god does things for us but does he really get anything back from us like in the sense that like god will bless us but is he getting a reward he's just doing it because he loves us i feel like there's some things that you just do for god because you love him you're you're just gonna read your bible because you love god you want to learn about god and you you want to strengthen your faith but if you're like oh if i read my bible and i'm faithful to god and i pray god is gonna bless me with this and this and this Sometimes you just have to understand that you're just going to have to just do it. You won't get anything from it. You just have to do it. Well, what I do you think? think? Another thing is um, we want the glory now. We want the blessing now on this side of eternity. Because um, it's in Revelation. I'm forgetting where exactly it is. But it says their good deeds follow them even after they die and i remember even seeing it on a tombstone once just quoting that the good things that we do unto god in faith they still follow us into eternity so it's not as to say that um we won't get anything good out of it but sometimes it's even immaterial things you know to know that i can persevere and serve god and suffer for his sake but at the same time 
my intimacy with God is growing, my love for God is growing, my my detachment to the things of this world or the things of the flesh is more and more because I know how good God is and I love God more and more even in my suffering because even um, I remember just coming across songs that were written by Chinese Christians where there's a lot of persecution and like some of those songs I, I couldn't even sing because you know it's like the lyrics are different you know in America you have like all these uh, different songs but in, in China it's like God I'm going to die for you God I'm going to leave my family for you and and I'm willing to just die like Jesus did and, and I'm just like sometimes I'm just like I can't sing along to that song because the, the convictions are so strong and just knowing that it's not exactly about the things that happen in this life but having eternity in our minds and looking forward to uh, what God is going to do not even today or even after we die maybe something will happen but knowing that you know it's it's all about eternity it's all about knowing God and that being enough for each and every one of us because that's why eternal life is to know God to know the Father and to really have that personal relationship with him because I think sometimes we we make promises to ourselves that are not in scripture and when those promises are not fulfilled we're disillusioned and that that shakes our faith when the whole time we're just making our own Jesus who aligns with the things that we want and the things that we try to benefit from God. But God is not a vending machine that you just put in a coin, punch in a number, you get the blessing. But God is a person and, you know, he wants to know us and for us to know him just like on that personal level, but not to be us seeking some machine that rewards us no matter what we're doing, but to really know our father, to really know the king of kings. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. So do you think that depending on, because you talked about, you know, the people in China and the persecution that they're experiencing, that their idea of God and eternity is completely different to say like people here in America where life is a lot easier and they may have like different views do you think that someone's circumstances upbringing and like how their faith is determines how they view God and like the reward Yeah, like, like very much so. I think so, so much more than we actually see it sometimes. Because even just like I'm, you know, I'm just thinking like um, our upbringing and the culture around us, and the way we see how other people around us understand God does shape the way that we understand God as well. Because um, you know, when you look at, I'd say Western culture mostly. There's a lot of consumerism. There's a lot of uh, what can I get out of this or what is the best deal or, you know, just looking at salvation as being a ticket to heaven and, you know, getting out of um, this world and just knowing that I've already secured my place in the next world. Whereas um, 
if you look at other parts of the world where um the, the culture is different maybe the culture is one to do with honor and shame how the gospel actually is that message that a people who are once shameful a people who are once in sin can now be freed from that shame and receive honor in the sight of god and they receive god's approval and just like the many different um cultures and things that shape us which aren't always bad but limit us in a way you know it, it kind of uh obscures the view of the full picture because mostly what our eyes are trained to look at one thing and not like certain aspects of it and of which you know i, I really try to think like growing up just like being zimbabwean and seeing like my first exposures to the concept of god and salvation and what it looks like around me how much more do i have to unlearn or unpack and realize that oh this is culture this is something that i saw my grandparents do and it doesn't necessarily align with the whole package of what scripture has for me if um i can say that in my own shoes interesting so okay this is how can I phrase this do you think there's like a wrong way of viewing God because you know like they're based off of where you come from and stuff like that your environment you can view God a certain way do you think that there's a wrong way of viewing God? Because, you know, you can love God, but the way you view God and the word may be different from someone else. Like, do you think there is a wrong way or no? Uh, definitely, actually. Um, I think because the, the main guidelines are just the orthodox Christian belief that everyone comes to you in just accepting um the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ Jesus being the way for all people to be saved. And then, like, because I, I think it, it kind of breaks down into, like, is it a core matter that affects salvation? If not, there kind of is, like, some leeway to have freedom to say, oh, yeah, um, instead of believing in a young earth or believing in a flat earth or believing in certain things um, about how the world works or how certain things work um there is because i mean if we don't have guidelines that's how we have heresies and we have all these weird beliefs that come in and and distort things or um take scriptures in a way that they don't mean what they actually mean and yeah there's definitely a lot of that or even just in some cases where i think because of trauma and because of experiences that we've had because a lot of the time like when we say God is our heavenly father, the first image that we have on earth of a father uh, from our parents on earth, and at times what happens is if there's a trauma with a parent, that can be projected onto God. If you had an angry father growing up, you'll quickly just assimilate that to God being an angry God. You know, if you have a father who's not present or who's uh, passive in a way, in terms of his duties and roles as a father, you project that onto God. And it really is something I think all of us have to, at some point, reflect and see, like, if 
I'm describing God. This is who he is. And creating that through scripture to see, does this actually align with what the word of God says? And seeing, like, what are we getting right? What are we getting wrong? And why are we getting these things wrong? And where is it coming from? And I think it takes a lot of vulnerability to see and say that actually I'm wrong about how I believe in God. Because we like to justify ourselves, especially if it's, if it's things that allow us to be angry at God and to just have a grudge against him for some reason. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, since we said, like, Christianity is a race, right? Believing in Christ, we're running a race. So, from what we're talking about, it's like, many people are running, but the direction is what matters as well, too. Because you could be running the other way, right? Um, but it also made me think of denominations because I think the existence of denominations is because of like differing beliefs that's why I asked about like can someone believe in God like the wrong way because it seems as though everyone is running but in different directions so what are your thoughts on denominations? Um, I think they actually show, I'd say, freedom of thought within the Christian belief. Because if everyone is going to agree and there's no room for a debate or difference in opinion, that means there's actually no freedom. Because if... Um, if we look at, I'd say, even science itself and the way we try to understand the universe, there's just different things and, and different lines of thought and, and different, um, there's places where there's variations in the way things are being understood. And for, I don't know, a group of people to say that I fully understand who God is, that is limiting the nature of who God is and for you to say like i understand everything about god god ceases to be god if he can be understood by a finite mind so i think because mm. who god is in his infinite nature there's going to be some tensions about certain things and at times you know you you may have an experience you may have an understanding that makes you lean towards one church and of which i think um unfortunately I'd say maybe the work of the enemy is that um, what we seek for in church at times is having uniformity and not unity. Because, you know, there's, there's times in which we may have certain issues that we don't really agree 100% with each other. But are we willing to look past that and say, hey, at the end of it, our main aim is to serve Christ and to please him. Are we willing to overcome those differences? Because unfortunately, that's um, where a lot of these denominational things start to get a little bit um, messy. When, Because um, I'm very wary of people say, oh, my church is the only one true church. Everyone else is a heretic or everyone else 
um, has it wrong, which I think comes from a lot of arrogance because, you know, even um, Paul addresses it to the people in Corinth saying, oh, some of you are saying I follow Cephas, some of you are saying I follow Apollos, some of you say I follow Paul, but really at the end of it, if we're not making Jesus the main thing across all the denominations and we're not going to be able to accommodate each other because of certain matters that don't really affect salvation, then I think um, that's where we get it wrong. But denominations, I believe they are um, something that's um, good and bad, but the beauty in it that I see is that there's some sort of individuality and identity that is the that um is allowed to show you know because um there's one youtube channel i think it's called the the one minute bible hour by matt whitman i think and he goes around different churches and he just looks at their theology and he looks at what they believe in and as i watch these videos sometimes i'm like oh that's interesting how maybe communion is done or how scripture is read or like the the importance thing uh the value and importance that they place on certain things that i don't always think of because it's really dangerous to have um a theological echo chamber where everything you say everyone else agrees with it doesn't really help you to test and see what is truth what is not and I think there is that importance for variation. So I'd say denominations are good as long as there's a greater unity amongst them all to just know that at the end of it, we are all the bride of Christ. Amen to that. You talked about being a spiritual echo chamber. So would you encourage other people to explore other denominations because it's like if you're gonna be say like you're Pentecostal right would you encourage someone to be like go learn about Baptists or I don't know um Orthodox Eastern Orthodox people do you think that's a good thing since you said like this variation and you know you be I feel like being stuck in an echo chamber is a bad thing because you don't really know maybe what you're learning about is wrong or you might need more insight from another denomination. For example, say like um, I'm Pentecostal, right? If I were to go to like Seventh-day Ad Adventist, right? I'm going to learn more about the Sabbath than I would have in my Pentecostal church because they take that seriously. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So what do you so, think yeah, about yeah. that? Like, um, that is important because actually, um, there was something that I came across. I was also talking about how sometimes because um, all you know is just one thing, it can easily lead to deconstruction because if you don't know like how the Christian faith is expressed in the, I'd say maybe the Ethiopian Orthodox Church or somewhere else, the moment there's something that kind of shakes what you view and what you understand to be Christianity, only in one lane, 
and you don't see any other thing, it causes everything to just crumble because you, you don't really have that allowance to think and allow the possibility that there are certain questions that you don't really have answers to, but you see how others answer that question or how others deal with certain aspects of the faith based upon their denomination. So yeah, it really is an important thing. And I think, again, it's it's a beautiful thing to know that there's other expressions of the faith and I, I find it to be a healthy thing. I mean, what's your experience? Because I know like growing up in Zimbabwe, there's like quite a bit of a mixture of traditional churches, your Anglicans, your Presbyterians, your Methodists, and even the Pentecost or the Evangelicals. I'd like to know your experience, or even just moving to a different country and experiencing Christian culture there, or just like the Christian faith in it, in its expression. Yeah, um, so when I was in Zim, I went to a Pentecostal church and, you know, Pentecostal churches in, I feel like this is an African thing, have very different um, ways of doing things than other denominations. Like you said, like those traditional ones, like the... um. Catholics, Anglicans. I feel like it's less structured in a Pentecostal church. Of course, you know, church can have a structure, but the whole idea is that the Holy Spirit is what leads <laughs> the church, right? Um, whereas, you know, with the Catholic church, they have, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and we're going to do this. You know what I mean? There's like a definitive a program I guess that they follow um so I was just like super used to that and kind of like that random spontaneous you just never know what you're gonna get type of church experience sometimes right um but when I came here it's like it's very Hmm. It's structured because I went to like a non-denominational church when I was here. Um, especially like the first three years, I went to a non-denominational church. It's very structured and very fast-paced, and I was so used to like, say, church starts at nine thirty, and then. It's supposed to end at 12 p.m. like uh, back in Zim. But then sometimes we'll end at 2 o'clock. You know what I mean? Because, you know, the Holy Spirit takes over and then the church service just goes longer and longer and longer, right? But yeah. here, like when I went to like a non-denominational church, it's like there is no such thing as the Holy Spirit taking over the service. If it starts at 9.30 and supposed to end at 11.30, 11.25, the service is cut off. Like, everything is just like this, 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 this. They just keep time, right? So that's something that I just had to wrap my head around. Like, oh, like, church can be structured. 
you know what I mean yeah and not just like the in terms of structure right um church in zim at least for me is very like um it's gonna sound bad but it's like kind of struggle based at least from my experience it's like people always like going through things but i get it because you know uh, african culture a lot of people came from like um families that practice like these pagan things and then some spirits had to like follow their families and stuff like that like you know like how some people can like acquire curses from like their great grandparents and there was a lot of like African traditional religion in our past. So I get that. But there was just like a lot of like struggle based um, religion and ideas. And there was also that prosperity gospel aspect as well. I feel like prosperity gospel is like very prevalent in Zim. It's also there in America. But one thing I realized is that, like, because there's, like, abundance, right, here, people tend to view God as, like, just their friend, you know? It's just, like, I'm here for God, right? Of course, people need things, and they can um, pray for money and stuff like that if they want. But I've seen that, like, there's like a people seeking a relationship with God. Not that they weren't doing that back home, but I feel like that was just like something extra. It was like maybe number two or number three, but it was mostly like God do something for me. But here it's like, oh, like I love God because I have everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, Americans are so like consumerist and stuff like that. So they, they have the money, they have the, the stuff. They don't really need to pray for stuff because they can just get it easily. So it's like they just pray to God because they just love God type thing. You know what I mean? So it was yeah. just so weird. It's like, whoa, you don't really hear people talking about like prosperity gospel as much. Unless you go to like a mega church, like maybe Joel Austin, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's, I mean, I feel like most local churches in America aren't pr- prosperity gospel churches. But if you go to like T.D. Jakes, like uh, Potter's House, or like Joel Austin and Joyce Mayer churches and stuff like that, that's where you see like the them talking more prosperity gospel. So that was kind of different for me, especially at a non-denominational church. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that is the beauty of it, like getting getting exposed to different experiences from different people and just knowing that there's a whole other side to it because, I don't know, you know, like there's, there's just something in community because what God is doing in one person's life and what they learn from that, they could use that to teach you and advise you and show you with your own testimony that, oh, this is how I've grown in the Lord, or this is what God has been doing for me. And you just get to see and understand that, wow, so the God that I know and I pray to does this actively 
in lives of people around me and you know it, it's really something edifying to know and see that at least <laughs> when you're looking at the story of job even the friends got something out of it without them having to suffer or even just us reading the story and even now you know there's always stories there's always things going on that we can learn and benefit from other brothers and sisters in christ yeah that's true but but then in also your views I think, uh yeah no no go ahead uh-huh well but then also i think i don't know it's, it's one of those things where i'm like um culture does play a lot because yeah i think it's something i've noticed with americans when it comes to time they, they like from this time to this time i'm doing this nothing else and once i'm done i'm shipping you out whereas i think with african culture and middle eastern culture maybe i don't know much about latin american culture time isn't so big of a deal if i can say that you know like we like to take our time we like to spend that time together and there's just like a bit more freedom in terms of time you know it's it's like if we're having service it can spill over and no one really minds and i don't know i, I feel like sometimes because of our culture and some some ways that we do things they might be a bit of like um quenching the spirit or not letting the holy spirit have his way because we're like ah i need to go to this place or i need to do this or this is how i need to do it according to my culture and there's always need for room to just let the holy spirit do what he needs to do in our gatherings Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, culture definitely plays a big big role in how churches operate cuz yeah, like I I go to an African church now, like a Zimbabwean church to be specific, and even though we're in America, it's very much still running like a Zim- Zimbabwean church in Zimbabwe. <laughs> So yeah, for sure like culture definitely like affects how churches are run. But yeah, yeah like Mhm. I mean, I think yeah, it's like something else also. Um in terms of like outreach that I've seen that can be a barrier that sometimes we get so caught up in our culture that we become this sort of like silo and it's just our culture and us within ourselves preserving our culture that we can't go outside of it cuz i'm just looking at scriptures you know it's like paul saying to the jews i became a jew to a gentile i became a gentile and i think we also have to have that open mindedness if we want to reach out cuz if the church isn't looking out outwards to those around them then that's a church that's going to die even spiritually cuz at the same time you know it's just like what Jesus says that it's a it's a lamp that's meant to be put up for all to see not to be hidden in a cellar or under a table but there's there's that too that uh, culture shouldn't become um a weight that pulls us down from 
going out and reaching across barriers or to different people who aren't necessarily within our culture. Mm -hmm. That's true. Like, when you talked about if a church isn't, like, open like that, they are going to die, you know? Like, spiritually, yes, and but also, like, in numbers as well. Because I went to a church... And they were talking about um, how they want to win the American people. It was an African church, but people were speaking their native language in that church. So I was like, hmm. And there was white people in that church. But then it's like, how are these people going to relate? Because church is not only just, you know, a place of worship. It's a place where you build community and like friendships and stuff like that so it's like if you're going to speak a language that these people don't understand how are they going to integrate in your community you get what I mean yeah so and I don't think that just applies to language it applies to a lot of things because um I also went to a church that I basically it was very clicky and you would get there enjoy the service but you would never go in there and be friends with people or uh be a part of the community because people are just so stuck in their ways and so stuck with like oh we grew up together all of us went to Sunday school together now you all in like youth now new members come through to join like the youth group but they just can't relate to everybody because everybody's just they've known each other for years and they don't want to let other people in I feel like that's the same with other churches it's like they just don't want to let other people in and that can kind of affect how they retain like members especially people who just received christ you know what i mean it's like yeah. you just give your life to christ now all of a sudden the people that introduce you to the faith are they don't even want to interact with you that's insane because I think that tends to happen a lot, especially with like the more older and traditional churches. Because I've come across it once where it's like, um, it's a generational thing where it's like, oh, my parents went to this church. I'm a child of this deacon. And then if you're just new in the neighborhood and you want to come to that church, there's kind of like that um, isolation where they look at you and they're like, who are you? What history do you have? And, like, what is your place here, you know, like, to to kind of just have, like, this image where, like, the church is like a village now, and you come as an outsider trying to find a place of fellowship, and there's just, like, this sort of awkwardness or this tension where people look at you and they're like, who is this outsider that we don't know, we don't know who your parents are or how long you're going to be here with us. Or like even just having stereotypes for church, for churches, and I think it happens especially in Zimbabwe. Where it's like certain churches, 
are meant to only accommodate certain demographics. You know, to say, oh, if you're going to this church, it probably means um, you're an accountant, you're a doctor, you're an engineer or something like that. And maybe someone who's like from the other side of town, who's not any of those things, would never feel comfortable coming there because there's just this um, environment meant only for certain people when it's supposed to be for everyone or just looking at Jesus's life, you know, he was with everyone, with the Pharisees, the tax collectors. And we really need to have that openness. And I think more than anything to have that love, that love to just break away from culture in order to meet people in their needs. That's true. I, I've always hated that. Um, the whole thing of if you go to this church, then you're like this, you know, it's like, hmm, okay, I guess that means that I don't think that's a true church if it's a church that only specific people can go to. But that's just my two cents. Um, I did have a question. Um, going back to the running the race, <laughs> running the race thing. Um, so the concept of predestination. This might be, <laughs> this may be a big one, but it had me thinking, because you know when you're running, you're running towards something. Do you think that there's some people who are predestined to run in a certain direction? Because you could be running for the wrong reasons, right? You can be running for Christ or running for worldly things. Because I honestly believe that people of the world who aren't believers are running towards something. Do you think that there are some people who are just put on a path and are just going to run in the wrong direction and they can't get off of it. Um, yeah, that is, that's a tricky one. But when I look at God being love and um, is it first Peter or second Peter that says that God desires that all repent and receive salvation, that would not really align with a scripture like that for me to say that oh um some people are just put in certain places where there's no other way but for them to run in the wrong direction or to not be able to turn towards the right direction because at the same time um i think it, it it's yeah it's it's really complicated because for some people they may say that in their own story of salvation they kind of understand it as having been something to do with predestination and them not wanting to do with God in any way. And then for some people, they do believe in free will, which I think I'd like to lean more towards that God puts us on the track and the choice is ours. For some, the choice may be easier than, than the other or situations or circumstances will be different for each person because I'm just thinking like if God made a person and made it such that no matter what they're going to go into eternal damnation it 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 seems very sadistic 
if we're looking at the nature of God. And so I, I believe that there is free will. I may not truly understand what where exactly the point of the decision gets made in the person's life or at what point it was that they made that choice or to say that um, there's no hope for them to turn around at some point because I think God still works. You know, if we look at the first, I don't know, fraction of Paul's life, if you were to ask the early church about Paul, they would be like, ah, this person persecutes the church. There's no way that they'll come to Christ. Or for those who had that faith could have been saying, yeah, it's possible, but maybe the chances are low. And yeah, you know, it's, it, I don't know. It, it always just reminds me of um, one poem that I came across that just reminds us that when we get to heaven, we're probably going to be shocked who we're going to see there. And there might be people who'll be shocked to see us when we get there too. So I think there is a choice. I think there's both. How? I think there's both because, okay, there are multiple verses that I can think of that I'm just like, I think I think free will exists, but I do think that predestination is a thing too, in the sense that like Jesus did say, many are called, but few are chosen. So it's like, hmm, what does that really mean? Doesn't that mean that if someone is chosen, then they're set on a path already. But then there's also that verse in Romans. It's Romans 8, verse 29. It says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified those he justified he also glorified so it makes me think it's like i think they both exist that there's free will and there's predestination so i will take it in this way that we're all placed at a certain path and some people are called to run in certain paths maybe towards Christ or something, right? But then there are people who are put on a certain path that is going in the opposite direction, I'll say like away from Christ, right? But the free will comes in the sense that they can move out of the path depending on the posture of their heart, right? So I think that predestination is a thing because also when you look at it, right, um, the story of Saul. Saul, he was, God said that, you know, when they were, the, the Israelites were uh, asking God for a king, blah, blah, blah. And then God said to Samuel, like, the king that um, 
I'm gonna give you he's gonna be like this 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 like he's essentially gonna be a bad king and he's gonna rule harshly to the people and stuff like that right and then there was that time when Saul was given a mission by God right and then he came back he didn't do what he was supposed to do and then Samuel was like yo God would have redeemed you if you did what you um we're supposed to do but you didn't do it so you're just gonna like essentially um oh my gosh the words is coming out of my head you're essentially gonna like suffer the consequences and stuff like that because Saul was technically predestined he had a chance to veer off the path but because he didn't he's just gonna stay on the same path do you know what I mean? It's like he he had the the free will to do that. Yeah. But well, they I didn't exercise that. it. I guess I get where you're coming from to say that um things can happen. There's a possibility. It's just up to us to realize that possibility, if I can say. Like there's that potential within each of us to either to go one way or the other. And yeah. it's up to us to pick where we're going to go. It's kind of like the red pill, blue pill matrix thing. It's like, pick that or that. Exactly. Because it also makes me think of my own... Have you ever asked yourself this question? If... Okay, let me ask you actually first. Were you born in a Christian household? Uh, I would say, um, Christian culture. Well, okay, I'd say yes, but not a very solid yes. Okay, yes. Okay, I guess the question. I guess that wouldn't apply. I grew up in a Christian household, like literally my whole family, all devoted. Christians, pastors, everything. So it made me think to myself, the reason why I, I just believe in, I used to not believe in it, but now I do kind of, is because I think to myself, if I was not um, born in this family, would I ever been a Christian type thing? Because when you think of it, from the outside, I'm like, it would be so hard to convince me. But because I grew up in this household and like there's just that thing that's in you, I guess that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I don't know. You just get it and you just go with it. And I mean, I had to like find my faith. I had to, you know, start running the race on my own for myself, I guess, Yeah. Um, when I got older. But it's because of the foundation that was laid for me by my family, right? Because even that that um, verse in, I think, is it Proverbs? I forgot. So that, like, train up a child yeah. in the way that they must go and they will not depart from it. So it's now, it's like, did I really make the choice? Maybe. But I feel like it was made for me 
way before. Well, I think because when you look at it, the reality is also um, you have situations where people grow up in Christian households and their parents are very much devoted and faithful, but they still choose to walk away from the faith. So I would say perhaps in your situation, it was much easier, but you, you were able to receive um the gospel and the revelation much 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 easier because it actually reminds me of a story that i heard where um some people were going to share the gospel i think in some village in china or something like that and when they got there they shared the gospel people received it people were baptized and all that stuff and well i'm not sure at what point but the then they asked the people who had come like how long ago has jesus died and resurrected and when they found out it was 2000 years the next question was what took you guys so long to get to us and tell us this good news so i think in that case it seems like it was easier you had the information yeah i'd say the information was presented to you much much more easier because i mean there's some people that even i've tried to share with and the person understood much better than I did the first time I I was told the gospel. And even then, the person was like, I'm not interested in what you're saying because I'm okay with just going to hell or uh, living a life without God in it. Man, that's crazy. Okay with going to hell? Do people know what hell is? Anyway. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think they know. Um, but I mean, I get where you're coming from. You know, I I feel like there's some uh aspects of the walk that just are very interesting, and I I see why people study theology because. It's not just something that you just think up. You kind of have to study it. So, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Hmm. So, would you say you're interested in pursuing theological studies? Hmm. Funny enough, yes, I am. Yes, I am, actually. Um, maybe in the future, I may get like a little degree in theology, maybe. But who knows? Whatever the Lord decides for me. But I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. Because uh, right now my mom is doing one. and cause That's such really a coincidence. Because my mom is too. No way. So like, yeah. the thing is with my mom, she's really into... Greek and Hebrew and sometimes I'm on the phone with her and she's just talking about like all the linguistics of Hebrew and Greek and all that stuff and you know I'm just there along just kind of nodding along but having no idea what she's saying and and it's just like she'll go like maybe she'll have like a Hebrew lesson and then afterwards she'll be like oh 
this is what we learned today, this is what we're translating today, or um, now we're doing Aramaic, and, and this is the language that Jesus spoke, and, and when you look at Aramaic, there's this rule and this rule, and I feel like by the time she's done, because she's told me so much of everything that she's learned, I feel like I could apply for an honorary degree at this point. <laughs> but that's so cool, like, I feel like just going to school for it is like very, I feel like it's a good thing. It's a good step. I see a lot of like, uh, these people that I know here actually go to Bible school. Like a lot of Christians that I know, like young Christians actually go to like Bible school to learn about the Bible and stuff. It's pretty common. Even kids, they have like this they call it like vocational Bible school. That's for like um, Sunday school kids and stuff like that. Where in the summer, they all go to like a little Bible school and stuff, which I think is pretty cool that people prioritize like actually getting an education in like yeah. biblical yeah. S- stuff. Yeah, but I've also heard the running joke about how people go to Bible college over there to get married. No, that's true, actually. <laughs> People actually do that. They call it like ring before spring because they start in the fall and then the next semester is spring. So most people that start in the fall usually end up getting engaged before spring, which is insane, but it's pretty common. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's (laughs) wild. It's wild, but I feel like it's it's so much better than. <laughs> Let me keep quiet. That's a that's a topic for another day. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, oh, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it it helps in the process, I guess, of picking who to marry if you go to Bible college and you happen to meet there. Exactly, because I don't think unserious people are going to bible school it's not the most fun things to study i feel i mean it is fun i guess but fun to specific kinds of people you know but we we talked for quite a while we have i'm just thinking like is this going to be all one Thing, or are you going to have to cut it up or I don't know or like the stuff you're going to take out or... no I'm going to put the whole thing out well only true fans are going to listen to the end this is, this is the test okay so but... if you're still here and you've listened through all this conversation thank you for sticking with us and thank you for bearing my voice and all the things that I've said I'm willing to be proven wrong so if there's a comment section please um yeah just type in whatever disagreements you may have against me and I probably won't see it so Denise will have to take care of all that so that's fine <laughs> there is a comment section I'll, I'll I'll look out for it people aren't very confrontational so maybe they won't but we'll see We'll see. Uh, or, or, or you can just comment something that you've overcome that was difficult to do. 
if you're still with us from the beginning when this was about running. Yeah, and then there's zero. It's just you and me now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was gonna say honest. like in common. Uh-huh. I was gonna say like give the audience some advice. But then I was like, is anyone listening at this point? you know like i think sometimes listening to a podcast is just like um listening in on a phone call with friends sometimes true like silently they just having your own thoughts and opinions about stuff and like oh yeah actually that makes sense or like ah no that's cap true i love i love long podcasts some people complain they're like it should be 30 minutes me i'm like i need the three hour podcast because i listen to them when i'm just doing like random stuff like work or chores so it has to be long so which podcast are you listening to for the viewers to know um currently i like listening to uh saved but not soft that's a that's a good one and uh to my sisters and actually this one is pretty short um you might know them conversations with john and lisa bevere oh yeah yeah i I love i love listening to them they just have so much wisdom and this is one heavenly bond yeah I love Heavenly Bond. But yeah, those are the podcasts I listen to. If anyone's interested. <laughs> what about you? What do you listen to? Um, okay, let's see. So it's a mix. There's some Christian stuff. There's some stuff that's not Christian, but I still like to learn from. Um, so there's Colin and Samir, which I just find it interesting how they look into the creator economy and um, all the stuff that's going on with YouTube and Spotify and just content creation from like a business perspective and just where the industry is going. And then um, let's see, I, I also like um, Ruslan's. So yeah, Ruslan KD, because he does reaction videos. So I get to stay in the loop with things, but I like how he, looks at things from the Christian perspective, which gives balance and just helps me think and just question things also in my own life. Um, then there's the Remnant Radio. There are a bunch of guys who interview different like pastors and stuff, and they just talk about like the Holy Spirit and um, all the stuff that goes on with like the Pentecostal churches and the evangelical the evangelical churches with a bit of balance so they believe in the working of the holy spirit but also at the same time they just try to look at it um with a clear perspective and view to see like what scripture says and what's going on they even do this thing like every year at the start of the year they look at the prophecies that you know what i was about to ask you are they the guys that do the prophetic reviews Uh uh-huh yeah those are the ones so it's 
Um, yeah. It, it's quite interesting. And um, who else? Um, yeah, the 10 minute Bible hour, because he goes over um, just the theologies of different churches and even just like looking at how theology is reflected in architecture of churches as well. Stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think that's like those are the most consistent podcasts that I listen to from time to time. So, I'm going to yeah. check out that one minute Bible hour. Seems pretty interesting. Something I might be into. Yeah, because he even does like reviews of um, Bibles, like study Bibles and all that stuff. All the, I think, stuff that you don't really pay attention to the first time you enter into a church. He really goes into detail to ask the priest or whoever's there to explain like what was going on, what was the history, and um, what's the vision. It's pretty cool. I'll check it out. I, I do watch Ruslan. Some of the stuff he reviews is just <laughs> out of pocket. <laughs> but those are just th those are pretty good recommendations for sure. I guess no advice. Probably just recommendations because I'm sure people the people are tired now. Yeah. The people are over it. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for your time, your words of wisdom, your input. I, I really had a good time having a conversation with you. And I'm sure like the listeners also like learned something and found it very valuable. So I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for letting me on. Um, I think this was like one of the things on my bucket list to do, get on a podcast. So really? I yeah, feel honored. People, yeah, because it was just like one of those things I was like, um, let me see, should I wait for an invite or I'll just DM her and like shoot my shot and see if I can get on here? Because I was like, ah, if I wait for things to happen, who knows how long I have to wait? So I just like seize the moment, carpe DM and DM her and see what happens. Carpe DM. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. But I really appreciate you reaching out because sometimes I'm like kind of nervous to reach out to people. I'm like, do you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> Maybe I should start reaching out. Who yeah. knows? Maybe some people want to be on here. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they I might. So. so thank you once more. Um, good evening, good morning, good night to all you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. And Thank you guys for tuning in and hope you guys tune in on the next episode. Hopefully it's not as long, but thank you so much for your time and I'll see you next week.